Hello, and welcome to the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. I'm Josh Roller here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and for the first time in show history, there's a guest host on this show. Rob Peters uh, got married to his now wife, Robin, over the weekend, and they're on their honeymoon, and, and I said, no, Rob, you are not doing the show this week. Enjoy the honeymoon. So joining me uh, today is Brian Saunders, who I met as an, when I was an intern at Charlotte Motor Speedway all the way back in 2020. Brian, thanks for joining me this week. We're happy to have you here. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Josh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and thank you, Rob. I actually never talked to Rob, so I appreciate Rob uh, letting me be on here. Uh, Yeah, we met in the COVID year of the Speedway, um, and I'm currently at RFK Racing, so obviously I have a little bit of bias about certain things, but other than Brad and Chris and Jack and everybody at RFK being just amazing, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing now. So, um, and Josh, I mean, he might have mentioned, but now we live together as roommates. It's um, it's a great time in today's world. So, so yeah, no, I appreciate it. You know, I have a lot of conversations anyway about just racing on when we're in the room together. So yep. now we can at yep. least voice my opinion, whether it's <laughs> right or wrong or indifferent. So, so yeah, I'm sure now at least it's being recorded. So now I have to follow up with my uh, <laughs> with my. Um, at the back of my opinions and stay true true to them. So we'll see. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you here, man. I appreciate it. Your first one came to mind when I said we needed a substitute for this weekend because I wasn't going to do the show by myself. So on today's show, we're going to discuss dis- discuss some big American F1 news. If Lewis Hamilton will go winless in 2022, teammates line back to give additional points to another to advance the championship for Bubba Wallace apologizing and... Formula One in New York City, among much more. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. I'm doing the news this week. It's Rollers Racing Report. Starting off with uh, Red uh, Formula One and Red Bull news. Uh, sad news. Co-founder Dietrich Mateschitz has uh, passed away at the age of 78 after a long illness. Uh, that was Saturday. Uh, so right before the, uh, the the qualifying took place there, Circuit of the Americas. Had a nice little ceremony and an honoree of him as well. Um, uh, Singapore news. This is going to be good. We, Brian, you and I have talked about Singapore many times in the past. Uh, due to construction taking place uh, over the, the uh, across the next several years, there's going to be an alternate layout to the Singapore Grand Prix at Marina Bay. Um, and it will have a reduction of a right-left and a left-right combination of corners in the final sector, which is going to be pretty speedy and and i think we agreed brian that was a boring singapore grand prix this year just like anything else so this could be good yeah i mean i don't know exactly the layout um how it'll be but it yeah i know that was the race right that it was just it's just a really long race was it, it not it's it, just yeah it, it always like is halfway through the race it's still like you're an hour and a half into the time part of the race which is you know normally formula one goes by pretty quick and not that i am complaining about more racing but it definitely just seems like it's a really lengthy race for not really any reason other than just to kind of log lap so especially there where you kind of it's a street race and not as many passing opportunities yeah. as you know a normal track it's a processional uh, yeah it's you know it's cool glad those people got their race it's been a couple years um had it not right i and, think it was 20 yeah it was 2019 yeah, so last time we were there them and but yeah, it definitely wasn't the most thrilling, but you know, it happens. It's just, uh, it'll be nice maybe to see this new layout actually is more exciting, faster. Maybe the race is shorter and more urgent. I don't know, but maybe, maybe it becomes permanent and not an alternate yeah, layout. Yeah, maybe they're just like, hey, let's just do this forever. And, um, 
I guess we'll see. So hopefully uh, it still doesn't affect too much as far as the spectator standpoint. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure how much the viewing area is there, but hopefully... I think uh, it'll be better. Yeah, I mean, good for them. Yeah. Yeah, and it, uh, so hopefully that goes well for them. I know it's usually um, just seems like a long and uh, it tests them as far as their endurance and their strength and conditioning because it's really, really hot. And yeah, yeah maybe this will be... Less if there's less turns, or you said yeah. yeah there's there's, G, there's so four less turns, less G's on your body for mm -hmm. the whole night. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it'd be hopefully better than years past. Absolutely. Uh, next piece, Haas F1 team has secured sponsorship from MoneyGram, and it's a multi-year agreement. And according to uh, everyone's favorite team principal uh, here stateside, anyways, Gunther Steiner, uh, this will bring bring the team closer to the cost cap, which maybe will be. More competitive next year because that's what we need is a more competitive American F1 team. Yeah, I mean, it. you know, it, it, the new car this year in F1, which I think looks great, and I think the racing has been better, but ironically, it has been less competitive at the front because, you know, even years past, you'd have a, and I know random things happen, but you have a random winner like a Pierre Gasly or you have Ricardo and uh, Esteban Ocon last year, and you didn't get any of that this year. No. Even when Red Bull had their issues, Ferrari was right there. And even when Ferrari had their issues, Red Bull was mostly there anyway. But and then they would capitalize on two. And if it's not those two, it's Mercedes. And they haven't won, but they're. I don't. I think it's only. It's the only guy to get a podium, not the big three, was Lando. Yeah, I think that's still true to this yeah. day. Which again, the racing seems to be really good throughout the midfield, which is important. But as far as you know, parity at the front, you know, excitement of. New, even though it is great to see greatness like Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen now, you still kind of want to see something like last year. Even even if it's still the big teams, you still would like to see competitive like last year went down to the wire. Yeah. Or even when it's not necessarily competitive for first place all the time, you'd still like to see like maybe three or four or five teams have a legitimate chance to win. Like this is before I was watching, but my friend mm -hmm. said and. 2013, there was like eight different winners to start the first yeah. eight races, and yeah. that was before I watched, a couple years before I watched, but that's just unheard of now, and um, as much as it's cool to see the greatness of Red Bull and Mercedes Ferrari, it's also kind of nice to have something different, as opposed to just saying, oh, it's the same three, four, five guys, top five every week. So. That's what made NASCAR so great this year, right? 19 different yeah. winners, so that that's kind of <clears throat> what we're looking for. Hopefully, Haas can mix it up, or at least he can more competitive for a top six, which they've flirted with several top tens, but top six is, has been a little more difficult to achieve, even for McLaren and, and Alpine at times, who have seemed to be the, the better of the uh, uh, the mid t midfield teams. So we'll see how that works out in 2023 for them and beyond. Uh, F1 and ESPN announced a TV broadcast deal through 2025 at and 16 races will be on either ABC or ESPN. And extra programming is expected on streaming services uh, and broadcast will remain commercial free, which is the big, which is the big deal because it, this this went from a you know a handful million dollar deal to almost a hundred million dollar deal, I'm sure. And for the races to remain commercial free is a a little bit shocking for me, but is is also good that ESPN is either willing to eat that money or they have already found people to sponsor it to keep it commercial free stateside because it's you know Sky Sports is naturally. Um, broadcast free and, and you know we love commercial free racing right Brian? yeah I mean it 
that's the big thing is when they went over, I think 2018, they went from NBC to yeah. uh, ESPN. Yeah. They carried it and uh, it commercial freeze, I think, and I believe, and I don't know the entire logistic, but wasn't it a mistake that it was a commercial free at first? Didn't I they mess? I want to say my friend told me that. If it was, it was and, a great mistake. Yeah. Like <laughs> it was, they got something wrong with, I can't remember. So obviously don't quote me on that, but I want to say it was not originally intended to be commercial free on the ESPN side. But then it did, and then I think it worked so well in 2018. They're like, okay, well, let's keep it up in 19, and then mm-hmm. I guess through today. Um, and that's the big thing is commercial free. Um, I, you know, it's a world we're going to naturally move to streaming and other things. So obviously, I, I see why they need it to be on ESPN Plus or any type of pay for streaming service. But it, it, I'd be willing to pay for it, obviously. But that's the big thing is you got to capture people when stuff is free and then get them to pay for it. And that's just how businesses work. That's how you can't, it's hard to sell a product that's already pay-per-view. It's, you know, you're not going to grow it much when it's pay-per-view only, or at least majority. And then you, you know, it's just not going to grow that way. And that's people a lot of say, and I would pay for it too. Obviously you would, but like as far as NASCAR, the um, NASCAR need their own streaming service or channel, whatever they do. And while I think they can definitely get there, it's definitely, harder for NASCAR to want to grow their fan base if people just can't turn on the TV and find it or I know nothing is free if you have cable but if it's already on your cable package even the smallest of the the basic package it's gonna be tough now to have people search for even more um, kind of thing even though people may know about it but it's 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 definitely in the right direction but that's why I think when we wanted it right I mean they struck gold in America yep, yep. through drive to survive through increasing races over here through just I just do a good job marketing their drivers and their races and um so I think I mean what is it six out of 22 races are gonna be pay-per-view I yeah something like that or that that are going to be on ESPN too I mean that's not that's not bad at all no and then that's the best part about Formula One too is majority of the races in North America at least are uh, at least in the eastern time zone are when we wake up for breakfast before church or whatever you do in your Sunday mornings it's that's the best part. It's, it doesn't affect your other motorsports, and it doesn't affect, in my opinion, and then you too, like the NFL in the fall, yep. and doesn't. Yep. It's just it's out of the way early, and then you go about your day after that. So yeah, uh, good for them. Yeah, uh, a couple more pieces of news. We'll talk more about this later. But Dan, uh, Daniel Ricardo has denied signing a reserve driver deal for 2023, stating that all reserve talk is simply rumors. And he's also denied interest to race an IndyCar in 2023, as he said, "F that." Oval scaring me. Talk more about that a little bit later on. Two pieces of American F1 news. Colton Herta's long-term plans with McLaren F1 are unknown at this time. And according to CEO Zach Brown, Herta uh, is also not in any short-term or uh, like medium-term testing schedules either. But on the flip side, if you really want an American driver in the field next year or soon, Williams team principal, y'all, Scapito has... Uh, confirmed Logan Sargent, F2 driver, American, brother of Dalton Sargent, for the NASCAR fans listening, uh, will race for the team in 2023 as long as he secures his uh, super license, basically enough super license points, uh, by next month. You know, and they, I believe it's at the Abu Dhabi uh, race weekend where F2 will conclude its season. So they can get enough points there. He'll be racing in F1. I'm excited that we're going to have an American F1 driver, um, was skeptical from the beginning whether Herta would get it, but I was really always hoping that Sargent would get it over over anybody else because he's been over there. He's been in that culture. 
He's been immersed in it. Herta hasn't. Herta's a great driver. I'm not taking anything away from Herta. But I think Sargent's the way to go for Williams. Yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously great to have an American driver for the first time in a long time in Formula 1. It's going to be funny because we have an American team with Haas, and we're going to have an American driver with Logan Sargent. But I feel like because of the popularity before, and Haas has been around for a few years, but before those, I feel like the popularity of the fans in America is just still going to be Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, yeah. Lando Norris. Yeah. It's going to be kind of funny that it might be like the one country that isn't, and I think we're still going to represent them really well, but it's going to be kind of interesting to see how we take on a driver now. And let's be honest, Williams is still very yeah. mid-pack at best, but still kind of the bottom tier of Formula 1. So it'll be... Obviously, he won't be as competitive for race wins and podiums as of now, but it'll be, you know, every time you go to another driver's home uh, country for a race, it's you see uh, just all the people that show out for him. And I think that'll happen here, too. But I do think that it'll be interesting to see, like, you're still going to have the, the Orange Army here in America. You're going to oh, yeah. have the Sea of Red for Ferrari and Charles and then Lewis, as long as he's around, and Lando and... You know, obviously Ricardo too. Even though I don't think he'll be in the grid next year, but it uh, he might even not be the top three most popular driver in his own uh, home country. But mm-hmm. obviously he can change that, and uh, it's just interesting to see. But it is good that we have a American team as well as an American driver, and then obviously with the hopes of Colton Herta, maybe Andretti forward. too Andretti, later. He was there at Coda uh, this weekend. And I know all McLaren. I know these guys aren't American, but all the McLaren IndyCar drivers that are potentially so. It's, it's good to see American representation, even if the McLaren guys aren't from America, they still have that American kind of base right now as far yeah. as what they do. So yeah. and backing for like fans and support like that. So yeah. it's good. It's good for us, I assume. I can't imagine <laughs> it's a bad thing. So uh, hopefully it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Hopefully he represents. Yeah, as well. I was gonna say. Hopefully he puts on the grid like that. We deserve not only, I guess, three potentially four races in America, but also an American driver and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe opens the door easier for you know other drivers, not that they want to, but Ameri- like NASCAR drivers or whoever that show interest. Maybe it opens the door a little bit easier that they say, hey, maybe these guys can race in Formula One as well, not just turn left, right? Right, right. Believe it or not, that's halfway through the news. Uh, but the next piece is the W Series, and we'll talk more about this later in the show as well. Uh, with the W Series future in doubt, the FIA is officially exploring an official Williams uh, woman's only feeder series and it would be sort of something where a formula four level series and would have input potentially from f2 and f3 teams maybe scholarships going up who knows details are still a little uh, scarce on on that but like i said we'll talk more about that in the show so on to indycar uh racer magazine has learned that aaron mclaren sp will field a fourth indianapolis 500 entry with tony canon uh, i remember kyle bush was was Link to yeah. a fourth entry there. That was obviously shot shot down for a potentially really silly reason or a multitude of reasons, depending upon who you ask, um, on what your opinion is. Um, but this decision has not made been made official public at the time of this recording. Uh, Meyer Shank Racing is sticking with Simon Pagano and Elio Castroneves for the 2023 IndyCar season. So, you know, Castroneves is going to get another shot to go and get in the fifth Indy 500. Simon Pagano going for second and Andretti Autosport we'd mentioned his name a second ago Colton Herta they've extended the contract through 2027 um so uh, you know Colton Herta's in in IndyCar for for the uh for the long haul here uh NHRA Tony Stewart is making his 
debut in, in, in HRE with uh, McPhillips Racing in the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series during the Nevada Nationals this weekend at the Strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, did you see this coming, Brian? Because I didn't. Um, I don't know if I would have said I saw it coming, but he seems to really be enjoying the he NHRA. Really is, I don't know much about NHRA, so I'll just put that out there. But I know he's hey, we don't either. A, he invested in a team. He uh, is are they married yet? Or yeah, he's married to Leah Pruitt now. Yeah. I couldn't remember if they're fiance or wife, but uh, she obviously is very involved in it. He's getting involved in it. He now owns or is he solely owner or is he cutting the NHRA? Team? I think he's the kind of the sole owner. Yeah. He's Tony Stewart so, Racing. Yeah, so at least he got the whole name on the brand. Um, and you know, it's just one of those, he just loves every form of racing. Whether it's his dirt racing, whether it's his NASCAR team, obviously, his now NHRA. Um, but I don't know if I saw it coming, but honestly, it's not a huge surprise that he eventually is going to want to get in a car. Um, he just seems to really be enjoying himself, especially with all the stuff that has been happening on his NASCAR side mm -hmm. in the last you know month or so. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, not happy there. Yeah, and obviously, it's probably felt the perfect punctuation mark. Not that this affects NASCAR anyway, but he's just like, all right, you know, everything that's I've been done here, I'm going to NHRA. I think he even said on social media publicly that he said if it wasn't for a couple of sponsorship obligations and predetermined agreements, he would not be going to any more races yeah. in uh, the cup side, or the NASCAR side, I should say, because it's going to be two, uh, the 2022 season. So, um, rightfully so. I mean, can't really disagree with a lot of what he says. Um, so, good for Tony. I think this will be good for him. I'm sure he'll have fun as long as he's, you know, it's obviously... Uh, He's used to doing dangerous things, so hopefully this is fun for him, and you know maybe he'll do it more often. I don't think he'll ever go full time, but yeah, you it, know it's, it's it's people mentioned always kind of like how the whole Stuart Haas thing is holding up as far as this is all speculation, but you know Gene Haas is heavily involved in Formula One. Mm -hmm. Tony's heavily involved with a multitude of other things over here. Sometimes NASCAR takes them off a little bit, you know. And That's you an understatement. Kinda, and you kind of see the performance of Stuart Haas not. At what they were four or five years ago part of it's young uh drivers that are still working their way up and mm -hmm. guys like harvick that just really haven't figured out the new car even though we know he's super talented um it's just kind of the perfect storm right now for them so i don't think storehouse is going anywhere but it you know every now and then you kind of hit a speculation of like how involved are they how involved will they be i don't think they're going anywhere but um this is just another uh don't want to call it distraction but another Thing that the team owners are just kind of another feather to almost balance the, yeah. the NASCAR cap, right. if you will. Yeah, another just yeah. thing that's. But um, yeah, they'll they'll be around for a while, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. The last part, a couple things here from the NASCAR side. Hattori Racing Enterprises is parting ways with Chase Purdy at the conclusion of the 2022 season. Not really shocked by this. Uh, HRE has just not had great performances really all year long, and since Austin Hill left. And went to Xfinity Series, you know, they got they they got uh, um, Tyler Ankrum to race. He's had glimpses of, of good performances, but I feel like the Purdy situation was just more or less the same of what he did at GMS last year. Nothing to really write home about. Yeah. Um, so I can't say I'm shocked by this. Are you? No, not really. I mean, they like you said that Hattori and the truck side, they were good with, um, it was Moffat, right? And then yeah. It was, and then it was Hill. Austin Hill, and then... Uh, and then was it Ankrum the next guy? No, Ankrum and Hey Purdy both showed up this year. This so. year, okay. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it just they don't seem to have the I don't call it an edge, but they definitely were faster in years past than now. And I guess it just kind of like you said the results are never 
like you said, the rest of the ride home yeah. about. So yeah. uh, not uh, too surprised there. And Ankrum had a lot more success, I feel like, at GMS. Yeah. I know he had the one win or two, but he seemed to actually like, compete or run towards the front there. Not so much as, as he was this year in this situation. So yeah. not totally surprised there. Yeah. Uh, Luke Lambert, current crew chief of Noah Gregson in the number nine Junior Motorsports Xfinity entry, will follow Gregson to the Cup Series and will be the crew chief for him at the number 42 Petty GMS Chevrolet. I think this is a good move. Um, sometimes, you know, he didn't have the success in the Cup that that he won in the past. Comes down, pairs with Noah Gregson, does really, really well all season long um, and have just been hitting on every single cylinder. Timing's perfect. I think uh, I think this is a good move to follow a driver he's connecting well with, and, and for Noah too to have a familiar voice in the ear, um, making those changes in the car, and he doesn't have to relearn that that trust. He doesn't have to, re, uh, to redevelop that trust, I guess you should say. So, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I mean, Noah has really over his first year in Xfinity, he's been pretty good and consistent. Nothing like this year, obviously, but. And that was when Luke got there, and Luke has been, he showed that he's very talented. I mean, he was with, he was actually with Roush last year. I saw, I knew him for a brief time. Uh, we never, like, had a full-on conversation, but, because that was, I just started last year there. But, um, yeah, he's a super nice guy. Sometimes I talk to him. Um, he's very talented. He got to the championship four with Newman, and then, and I guess he followed Newman over to Roush when he went over there. and no. um, Or at least they got paired up again at some point. Um, during the changeover, and um, obviously it's worked very well with Noah. I don't know what Junior Motorsports' intentions were with Luke Lambert, but obviously if you're Noah, like you, you just do everything you can to keep him because of that success. Maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, but it it's definitely um, worth giving a try um, to just keep it. And then it seems like Petty GMS has got some better equipment than in years past. I know mm-hmm. more of a GMS input this year, yeah. obviously with the name change and everything, but um, 43 cars been really good. 42 has shined at times, and I think you'll really see with a guy like Noah. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm sure their number one car this year is the 43 car, but right. with a guy like Noah and Luke, and then them knowing that they're going to put a lot of uh, into this 42 car, it'll be interesting to see if they are just as competitive as Eric. Maybe more. Maybe they're you know it's t- trouble getting in the new car. Noah's already driven it a couple times, and he's driven the 48 car now, which is a very talented car yeah so he knows how to drive these things um, been the 16 as well for colleagues several times yeah 16 everything he's been in he's been pretty good i mean he's never gonna he hasn't got up and won a look like he's gonna win a race in the 16 or the 48 or even the 62 but honestly he could have they toned how they go with those yeah that's uh, true do they have uh have they announced a sponsor they haven't announced a sponsor yet, for, for the two for next 42. year i don't think so i'd love to see if bass pro follows them i know they like can't imagine they dislike him, all the success they've had, but also yeah. his personality. Right. And some people, you're, you know, are good about his personality, but at the end of the day, it's not a bad personality in the sense he's a bad dude. He's just, he just kind of lays it out how it is. And he's, yeah. I don't know if you can say controversial, but he just isn't your typical PR, no. clean cut guy no. that comes up through the ranks, which I like. That's what we need. No, that's, that's what we do need. What, so I can't imagine the Bass Pro would not want to be, but, you know, I know it's, it's not cheap to fund a car. So, I hope they at least do some sort of sponsorship, whether it's, you know, a handful of races, 10 races, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Hopefully, you know, a majority. But if not, it'd be cool to see him because it's really, I mean, I think his first year with Junior was 
was it like Switch or yeah Switch? There was a couple of different sponsors that first couple of years, and then Bass yeah. Pro Shops comes on, and and really that's really when he started to have his yeah. success. Um, yeah. So and he kind of started to be synonymous with them a little bit. So well, um, yeah, I agree. And and they fund multiple cars. I mean, they fought not for the whole year, but they got Austin Dillon. Martin Truex. Um, Martin Truex Jr., obviously, for most of the year. Um, Actually, I think that's it. Him, him, and... and not used to be... Yeah, I guess not. But I mean, in the years past, they did. Tony would be in it, too. And they, well, they had three. They had Stewart, Dillon, and Truex, which yeah. was that front row, but Stewart's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, so. so, I mean, it's... it's. I don't know. Yeah. That could be the guy who... Uh, Bass Pro Shops kind of swings at... Joe gives racing money yeah. after Martin Truex retires. Truex so. isn't going to be around forever. We probably think last year's it. And yeah. I'd really like to see his paint scheme that he drives now on the 42 with the bright neon orange 42. Yes, that would be sick. But, you know, I understand there's different stipulations for teams and sponsors. But yeah. hopefully they are involved in some way or form. Yep. All right, last piece of NASCAR news. This is probably very interesting. Broke today. Uh, the NASCAR Wheel and Euro Series will have its first ever race. Get this on ice. Yes, ice, I-C-E, ice, the Arctic ice race on March 4th through 5th, and that will be in Finland, and that will be like an official race for the for the Wheel and Euro Series, an official series, first points race, and that will be followed by more traditional stops at Spain, the UK, Italy, Czech Republic, Germany, Belgium, and a yet-to-be-determined date in Croatia. I am liking the several dates that Will and Euro has, they seem to really only stop, make six stops. Well, here this year, they're making one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight stops. That's great. And once I'm being ice, as Jeff Gluck tweeted, are we going to see, please, I really hope this doesn't come true. I hope Gluck has opened up the box where we're going to have an, we're going to have the clash in Alaska ice tundra. Don't put it past them. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like the ice racing, but I'm not sure. I mean, I think I, it, this makes me want to buy whatever I have to buy. To watch that race or watch a recording of it because this is intriguing. Yeah, it'll be intriguing at least. I mean, just the fact it's on ice yeah. is enough to want to watch it, mm -hmm. whether it's good or not. But uh, I assume. I mean, they're gonna put chains on the tires. I would. I, I would assume. Change or, or spikes. Just yeah. Or spikes, like little yeah. special tires. I mean, yeah. goodness, it's gonna be very interesting. Well, that was the news. Um, I think that went really well there. Let's move on to the feature paint scheme. Uh, the we haven't done this. Rob and I did this all the way back. In our first year, like August of 2019, we haven't done this since. I think we might have done a worse paint scheme into the in this season um, since then. But this is the first time we're doing like an actual regular traditional feature paint scheme. It's the 2003 NASCAR Winston Cup Series. So last year, the Pontiacs. Gosh, those Pontiacs were brilliant. Love them. Um, and Brian is had has has chosen a paint scheme that. For, for, for interesting re multiple reason, reasons, multiple yeah. reasons, interesting reasons, and it's also just a awesome, awesome paint scheme in general. So, uh, Brian, tell us all about it. Yeah, I mean, I one, you told me the, the season last night, so I was only, for a majority of the season, I was six years old. So I had to go back and look at, uh, I guess, just all the paint schemes. I remembered a lot of them. I'm sure I have a lot of the die casts from when I was a kid, but there's a lot that I forgot. So naturally, you go to J-Ski and look them Absolutely. up. And uh, yeah, I completely forgot about this one, but uh, Christian Fittipaldi, and he drove at Watkins Glen, and I don't remember this at all, but I did see it last night, and I thought it was perfect because he drove the number 44 Petty Enterprises car um, with the New York Yankees pinstripes on it. And it was just the Yankees. It wasn't, you know, like a sponsor that, like kind of like how, uh, you know, Exalto sometimes partner with 
um, the college, like Texas yeah. A&M and Exalter. It was just, nope, it was just the Yankees, and that was what it was. And um, and that was at Watkins Glen, so I don't, I mean, that would have been in August. I don't really know the reason. Uh, it's obviously during baseball season, but it wasn't the All-Star game. It wasn't um, anything in particular. Um, but I thought it was funny because not only was it a cool-looking paint scheme with the pinstripes and everything, but also... Since I work for RFK and the F stands for Fenway, I thought I would take this time to honor the Yankees' 4-0 loss in a sweep <laughs> to the, they don't love me either, but the Astros um, and their early exit of the playoffs. Well, not super early, but an early exit of the playoffs. Um, yeah. Not a, I, I don't mind the Red Sox, but I do work for the Fenway group in some way, so um, support them in that. I don't like the Yankees and I do like the Reds, but they're nothing to write home about either. But yeah, it, it's know, a sad story. But there. the you know it's a school paint scheme. I thought I would also honor the company I work for, but also throw shade at their rival. <laughs> uh, but it was a good paint scheme, so you have to give the Yankees credit for that. But uh, yeah, it was what he said. You guys normally say where you start and finish, right? So yep. Started thirty six and finished fortieth, so that was a heck of a day for him. Um, it's about how the Yankees did in the in, yeah. in this uh, ALCS. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he uh, he he dropped four spots, and the Yankees dropped four games. So, uh, perfect. I mean, it's just meant to be tonight. So meant to be. So yeah, that's uh, that's why I went with. There was a lot of good ones actually, but um, that one was um, for multiple reasons. I thought it was good. So um, and I think you and Rob have some. Pretty good ones for myself. So yeah, well, I I didn't want to exclude Rob on this one, and he wanted me to to, to share that his his feature paint scheme for this one would be. Uh, it's funny because I actually texted him. I didn't tell him which one he picked before, and he picked the same one he picked. And I remember this one. It was it was the Friendlies, Derek Coates Friendlies car. Uh, I think it was the number thirty seven Friendlies car he drove that season. But this time he picked Blaney's number 77 Panther Power Jasper Engines Ford. Now this one is a six scheme. It was uh, in the, he ran it in the Winston Open, started 10th, finished second to Jeff Burton. Um, but the car's black, gray, green, and it's got like a, a mouth. It's kind of like um, air, uh, the, 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 the shark nose mouth that we see on fighter jets. But it's got the mouth on the front and where the headlights decals would be were like eyes so it was something really far out at the time that i feel like you wouldn't really see that today if someone did that today it'd be pretty far out um and i can only think of two other schemes that did something similar and they were both the nine car at everham i think a spider-man car and then the uh some sort of viper edition car that bill elliott drove so this one was really cool but i went with Kevin Arvick's 2003 Budweiser shootout scheme. It was the red and silver GM Goodrich number 29. Um, and it was exactly like his regular scheme that he debuted a week later in the 500 that was black and silver. Um, and uh, now on this one, the numbers were black instead of red. So they kind of did like the flip of the number and then the, the scheme and the, uh, the secondary color, I guess, of the scheme. I guess the base would probably be silver in my book. Um, but I always liked this scheme. I actually, when I would drive Kevin Harvick's car in the, uh, 04 version yeah, of the game, I would, yeah. I would choose the red scheme because I just liked that one more because i like, I knew that one's different. Yeah. And I like that. Um, uh, yeah, let's also honor NASCAR Thunder 2004 because again, awesome, awesome game. Well, and you could unlock paint schemes in the game and now you yes. have to pay for paint schemes because yes. the game had to be released complete 100%. Because there was no such thing as DLC at that point. I know. Sometimes. Don't you? No, we missed those days. Did he drive the white Goodrench in 2002 as well? 
the white no it was you remember it was a it was silver oh, and it was black silver, and it like yeah. it yeah, yeah, faded yeah. yeah it was all silver yeah yeah mostly silver yeah i do remember i had that actually so yeah i love that car that was a good now. car too yeah that was actually probably my favorite so really i like the better than the white and everyone likes oh, the white yeah, because the nostalgia and yeah. obviously the horrible things that happened that year but uh that was probably one of the first cars i had to when i was playing with um as a kid just driving around the carpet but um, yeah, honestly, I mean, the black and silver Goodrunch is good, too. But that one, actually, I think I really do like at least the die-cast version the that, die that I remember looking at as a kid. Maybe yeah. it wasn't as good on, on TV as I remember, <laughs> but, but, yeah, that was a good one. All right. Well, that was the feature paint scheme. Oh, I guess I could say he, he uh, a Harvick, out of a field of 19 cars, because it was when the Clash was really exclusive before things really got out of hand, he started 16th and finished 9th. And there was only one de one fail to finish, and everyone else made it 70 laps without crashing. So at one point in time, crazy we can world. make it. Yeah. yeah, crazy. All right, up on to the upshift and downshift segment of the show. Um, for those of you who are familiar with the with, with how this works, we this isn't for you. This is for the new people listening. And Brian, I know you know how this works, but we'll review it anyway. Right. Uh, upshift. Uh, means you agree. Downshift means you disagree with the with the statement, the hypothetical, or the piece of news. Um, we can also throw it in the neutral for a variety of reasons. I like to call it uh, whether you just don't care, you don't have enough information, or you're just you're 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 stuck. You don't know how to pick, and you don't want to say I upshift and downshift at the same time. So you just throw it in the neutral. Um, that's it. Is the cop out? It is the cop out choice. Um, but we don't like to include that in the name. So the first one here. Uh, Bubba Wallace apologized to Christopher Bell and the number 20 Joe Gibbs Racing team, but Kyle Larson said he didn't hear from him prior to Homestead. Do you upshift or downshift, Brian? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, you have to downshift that. I mean, obviously, it's good for him that he apologized. Um, I feel like he probably would have anyway, but also he probably was pushed by Denny and Gibbs and everybody within the organization. Probably. Because, I mean, you, you told me, and... Uh, Denny said he gave Bubba a harder punishment yeah. than NASCAR. He did. If it's true, they'll probably never disclose what they did. But Doubt it. I mean, you know, if you're Bubba, I, you probably should reach out to Larson um, before, which it's already passed now, before the next race of Homestead. Uh, it's, I mean, I know it's not easy. I know it's tough, but I don't think they were, I mean, Larson and Bubba are, I feel like, somewhat friends. I mean, they're all somewhat, you know, in the garage together, but... yeah. They're all from that same driver yeah, diversity group, yeah. or NASCAR Next group, whatever it was. Right. The, the, the picture of all of them. Him, Larson, Chase, Suarez, yeah. Blaney, all those guys. So I don't think they hate each other by any means. I think they were somewhat on good terms, so nothing led up to this. That, I mean, you know, and I know it was hard racing and retaliation, but Larson never touched him. And I know you can say he put him in a bad spot. But guys put each other in bad spots all day. Mm -hmm. Hamlin put Chastain in a bad spot. Chastain didn't lift at Pocono. He wrecked. And I know Ross kind of knew that was coming, and all the fans kind of knew because Denny owed him one or two. Yeah. But so it might have been easier for Ross to swallow that because it was like, okay, well, I had it coming. But it's also, uh, I mean, it's just one of those things. You, I mean, I think the same corner, Harvick backed out. The same same track, same weekend. I think the day before, Josh Berry got pushed into the wall. Same situation. Different car, obviously. He bounced off the wall, kept his temper, and won the race. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying Bubba would win the race because these cars are active. They say these cars are indestructible, and now I feel like you brush the wall and you break a toe link. But 
Black Bubba took a car that even if he finished dead last with, if he took it home clean and without damage, that's huge in today's world with the new car and the funding and everything. And to immediately right rear guy, which in all everybody knows is bad on ovals, especially right. on 180 plus miles an hour. And to literally do it 24 hours after his teammate had to be forced into early retirement of, you know, obviously Kurt Busch, um, you know, I literally made the announcement 24 hours before this incident because of the wrecks sustained in this car. Now, yes, it maybe it was something building up over the years in last year's car. The year, you know, he's been driving for 20 years. Yeah. But yeah. this year he's had a lot of hard hits, and the one that finally broke the camel's back was backing into the wall at Pocono. Um, again, Bowman too, backing into the wall at Texas, and Larson very well could have backed into the wall if he didn't clip a innocent bystander of the 20 car, Christopher Bell. Um, so... And you, you know, if, and then on top of that, to get out of the car, understandably being mad, but to walk down, and in this case, Larson probably still have no idea what, what just happened. He was racing a guy, all of a sudden he's going towards the fence, wrecked on the front stretch, and now he's being, you know, Bubba's pushing him, shoving him, trying to get him to fight, I guess, and. You know, for all, again, Bubba's not thinking about this in the moment, obviously, but Larson could be concussed in that moment. You, I yeah. mean, he, who knows? And Larson, obviously, doesn't seem like a fighter anyway. He's not very... No, it's uh, not his personality. Much as a great race car driver. He doesn't show a lot of emotion, whether it's uh, winning or losing. Um, he never seems to be angry with a guy in a car or anything. Um, so I'm not totally surprised to see him not be uh, angry. He owns up to a lot of his mistakes, too. And he was owning this one. Not that I even think it was 100% his fault. But if you're Bubba, to just go down there and start swinging at a guy, well, I didn't know really swing, but to start pushing a guy to instigate something who very well could be injured, mm -hmm. again, not the first thing in Bubba's, not that's a bad thing, but he's already, Bubba's mad, but then, you know, Larson, you don't know how he is, he's clearly not trying to fight back, he could be injured, he could be out of it, um, and, you know, it just seemed kind of unnecessary, and he walked across the track, which I know we cracked down on that rule because of the whole Tony Stewart thing was the one that set that off, right? With the walking yeah. on the track. So he, he got out of the car, walked across the track, shouldn't have done that. Started shoving Larson, shouldn't have done that. People say he, sho he didn't shove the official, he just kind of said, get off me. But that's in baseball, he touched the umpire, you're ejected. Um, and yeah, just right rearing guy out of straight outrage. Um, it's tough. I, yeah, it's, it's tough. I feel like you should apologize because. This is a guy you're going to brace every week for the next, you know, probably 15, 20 years. Um, and not only that, but everybody in the garage sees it. Yeah. And whether they like you, hate you, whatever, who cares what the fans think? People are going to hate and love Bubba for different reasons. Yeah. But yeah. the garage sees it differently, even your teammates. Mm -hmm. And then also you ruin Christopher Bell's chance unless he wins Martinsville. I don't know what he would have been if he, let's say, finished seventh at Vegas with some more stage points. I don't know. No. But now he's in must win it because um, maybe he would have won Vegas. And an alternate yeah. university yeah. did. Yeah, and so now Bell and TRD and Toyota, everybody is mad. Your <laughs> owner is mad because, one, your owner has to deal with it um, as far as Denny. And then also Denny gets his support from the team of the car you wrecked, the team that owns the car you wrecked yep. by, by accident, but still. Yeah. Um, so it's good to apologize to those guys, but you got to apologize to Larson because I don't think Larson was lying and maybe he will still reach out to Larson but if it's true the rest of the garage sees it and says like hey buddy like this it was a bad decision anyway but in the middle of all the controversy of the car not being safe two guys including your teammate 
being out on concussion for long periods of time, um, and one, enforcing him to retire early. It's not the best look. Um, Bubba's had a history of kind of his temper getting the best of him, and, you know, I understand still being, even if you still feel 100% Larson did you wrong, that's fine. I don't agree with that, but that's fine. But you still got to reach out to the guy like, look, man, I made a mistake. I want to get my point across, but I shouldn't have right-reared you. Yeah. I should have not left. I mean, not that the left rear is even any better because you could send them towards the pit crews, um, you know, without the pit wall on the front stretch. But you just, yeah, it's not a good look. And it definitely, you need to make your image a little bit better in the garage of people that some of them probably feel like they don't respect you yet. Not because you're not talented or whatever, but you're still even though it's been around for a while now, I guess, but you're still young, proving yourself to start running up front, running with these guys, and if, like, they put you in a bad spot and all of a sudden you're going to right rear him going forward, I mean, that's... I mean, obviously, you probably won't now because you're probably under somewhat probation by NASCAR, even though it's not official, but, you know, it's... You know, guys like Harvick are going to see that and be like, man, that's... You know, they're going to maybe race you harder because, one, they know they can get away with it now because they don't think you'll retaliate because you're under a microscope, mm-hmm. or two, they think... This guy's going to start right-rearing people because he's getting raced hard. Um, guys like Harvick, um, I would say Hamlin, but that's his owner. Uh, Kyle Busch, Larson, obviously. But anybody, you're just going to kind of yeah, think of that anybody. as, you know, that's definitely should apologize. Maybe he still will. Maybe he'll say something before Martinsville. But I feel like a private apology should be made, not just not just a, hey, let's make the sponsors happy. Because people can kind of see through that and read through it. Like, oh, hey, yeah. Like his look, but his apology did. Yeah, yeah. Like McDonald's is gonna support you either way, but it's also kind of like, yeah, that, that apology kind of seems like it's for McDonald's more so <laughs> than it is for Larson and TRD, which maybe it's not, but I think it should be made uh, in a private conversation first to be. And even I mean, it should be sincere, but even if it's not sincere, at least you're making the effort to try and be sincere, and you know, going forward, um, yeah. So not the best look for him. So hopefully. Uh, Hopefully he learns from that. Yeah, I kind of got a downshift too. Um, I don't think. I, first off, I didn't expect him to apologize to Kyle Larson. That that type of temperament. That uh, if you apologize a week after that, I just feel like okay, I feel worse now that you apologized to me. I feel I actually found Larson's shoes. I I feel better that he didn't apologize to me. So he genuinely was mad at, at me. Um, I, as crazy as that sounds, that's the way I see it. So I think it's kind of good, but also at the same time, given the situation with the situation of the car, the, the, yeah. the, the questions I have there, maybe some sort of, Hey man, mistakes were made. Right. Send. That's all you had. That's, that, that would have been yeah. sufficient enough as crazy. Again, as crazy as it sounds, I think a, a simple text, maybe not an outright apology, not an outright owning the blame, not blaming him. Just saying in general, mistakes were made. And goes a long way. Yeah, it goes yeah. a long way. Absolutely. Um, next one here. Do you upshift or downshift that Daniel Ricardo is underselling the value of racing only the road and street courses on the 2023 IndyCar schedule, similar to what Roman Grosjean did? Yeah, I mean, I downshift the sense that I feel like he should be in something. I mean, I guess he could still be a reserve driver for some Formula 1 team or do whatever I mean, he's from australia they do a lot of racing over there supercars um, yeah yeah i mean and i know he's big in the nascar um, i thought that like, he could be a good candidate for project 91 he still can i think be. he still he can still be, can yeah. be obviously coda yeah i mean uh it just seems like that's something he should i understand necessarily being a, you know i don't want to say afraid but the ovals are definitely different for formula one guys even though they're going crazy fast anyway but then to get on an oval 
you see these wrecks at Indy and some of these other places, it's kind of a little scary. I'm not yeah. saying he's scared, but just it's different. And, it's different, yeah. Um, they're not used to it. and um, But, yeah, I thought he would do something. I thought he might be kind of interested in the Ovals because he's, he is a NASCAR guy. He, he's uh, been publicly... Uh, he's publicly stated that, and I thought that it was probably kind of fun for him, but also just, you know, the main stuff, the road courses, street courses, that would help him just keep an edge for uh, Formula One. And also, I feel like it could be kind of like uh, just a, a place he goes to kind of regain his confidence. I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's going to go and win a race in uh, IndyCar right away or even necessarily compete up front, but it just kind of gets you more confidence. Maybe you do compete well or whatever, but... Um, yeah, I thought he would want to race on something like that just to, you know, be a competitive, your name's still out there, you're, um, I mean, I don't know how it would have worked with McLaren, maybe he would, I don't know if he would work driving McLaren to IndyCar with that whole thing, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're just, those people are very well respected, even in the Formula One world. Um, I know over here it's kind of viewed as a second seat to NASCAR, um, different, you know, um, disciplines, but it, it's also, some people from one think of it as a second or third seat to F1. Which I get, but it's very well respected by people I see um, that are pretty important in Formula One. So um, I thought Ricardo would want to do something like that. I think he still should consider it. I don't know what his options are. It's kind of—I know this wasn't in the question, but how he kind of said, "Nah, I'm not really going to get a Haas." Like, yeah. and I understand that you want to be a competitive car, but also it's—it's it's better to be out there trying to make a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's going to look bad at you if you're running 15th in a Haas car because that's kind of where they've been running. Yeah. But maybe you kind of do what George Russell did and you take a Williams to a 12, I don't know his stats, but obviously George really impressed at Williams. He did, Maybe yeah. you can do that with Haas. And maybe Haas is kind of at the right time or maybe they start growing because it is, uh, right. they just got the big sponsor announcement. And I just think it's good to be out there because then you're with those guys and you know how the car is. The cars change every year, even if it's minuscule. It's always something changing in Formula One and any top-level motorsports. So I feel like Ricardo should want to stay in there some way, form or fashion. Uh, I'd love to see him in IndyCar from mm-hmm. a selfish perspective, but yeah, uh, I yeah I feel like he should at least be open to it. He shouldn't shut it down. He should at least be open to it, whatever happens. So. Yeah, I, I think he's underselling it too. I, I, I understand the, the fear of the ovals. I think kind of was what Roman Grosjean had. I mean, heck, the guy just had he, yeah. he the man he yeah. walked out of fire, right. right? We all remember that. Um, sad, you know, scary moment. But I mean, that he, he gave Andy Car shot, ran the oval, uh, excuse me, ran the road courses and street courses, and. Did pretty well. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He did really well. Almost yeah. won Indy twice, to be honest, yeah. and podium. But I think at Indy too in his rookie year. This year, Andretti is just not where they need to be in general. So he's gonna. He he struggled. I don't. I don't blame the struggles that 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 DHL car has had on him because I blame Andretti. I blame Andretti's leadership and their ability to sense that hey something's wrong. But um, I mean. I think Danny Ricardo would do would do fine on the road and street courses in IndyCar. So I kind of downshift that he's underselling even thinking about that. And and um, so I I I respect it, but I downshift it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the FIA should be exploring an option for scholarships for women racers instead of establishing a female only series. Do you go shift or downshift? Oh uh, yeah, I mean probably upshift. You and I talked about this. I feel like. That's a better path for them going forward than just having a feeder series. Um, I mean, like you said earlier too, we were talking. It sounds like it. it it's gonna be. It's folding. It's the W series is folding. So 
that's not great um, for whatever reason, and it's only been around for X amount of years. I obviously COVID probably did not help that. Like anything no. that started around that time didn't help. But um, I think definitely if they want some sort of pathway to get there easier than, um, or at least if you're F1 or FIA trying to promote women in motorsports, and especially at the top level of motorsports, you, you want to make it, I don't want to say easier, but definitely should at least be more encouraging sign to get them to just have the option to start competing at that level instead of just saying, hey, like you said, first place in the all-women series. Okay, well, now what does that get you going forward? Like, you just can you still move up the rank or does it, you know, I, I you did a better job explaining the scholarship thing as far as what I can do, but um, I think that's the best option for them um, going forward because it's just tough in all of our sports, male or female, to get sponsorship. Um, and, you know, the, the W Series didn't really kind of go the way they wanted it to as far as their hopes and goals. Um, this would probably be the best option for them to just try and get something going to get good traction get you know maybe you see some good personalities that can get funding maybe you see um and like you mentioned earlier too and i agree like it, it it in this kind of in motorsports it doesn't really matter male or female who's driving the car obviously there's definitely advantages i feel like to you know for being a male on the side of things but that doesn't mean that a woman isn't as capable of driving a car either so um, I think it just a lot of it comes to funding. You know, you can see across all levels of motorsports that given our opportunity, um, and anybody can succeed or fail. Or, yeah. So it's um, I think it, it would be good to uh, to kind of see them be able to go that pathway. To it also helps grow the sport. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with growing your sport in any way, shape, uh, anyway, any form possible. So um, I think that, but you do a better job explaining the scholarship <laughs> thing than me. So, um, but obviously I do agree with that. That might be the better option. I, I mean, I think AI upshift as well. So given them, you know, Rob always points out that it's, um, you know, it's, uh, what's the word he uses? It's, um, you know, it's just, it's just pleasing what seems to be the masses. Um, and I think putting a scholarship in place is going to is going to better help these women advance through and have a legitimate way instead of saying, "Oh well, you're just the champion of a female only series." Right. Um, you know, as a giving having set aside a few scholarships, like okay, you were racing F four, you you performed well enough or whatever. Uh, however, we want to phrase it, move on into F three. You move on enough through F three and F two, and and you can't have a scholarship in F one. That's right. that's that's never going to happen. Doesn't matter who you are, um, but I like the scholarship way better than having a female only series. But if it's done right, if it's done well, if it's done the way it should have been done from the first from the from the on uh, on start of the, the uh, W series, then maybe maybe it will work. But I still prefer the scholarship series, the scholarship way, uh, much better than the than a complete series all on its own. Uh, in 2023, the damage vehicle policy should be modified to allow teams to fix suspension and chassis-related issues on the next-gen car in the garage. Do you upshift or downshift? Yes, I easily upshift. I know the whole point of the damage vehicle policy is to keep damaged cars off the track from creating even more cautions with their debris falling off or parts failing. And I think... Part of it is for having people come back out. I know we're in the middle of suspension talk, suspension talk of Kenseth coming back out against Logano and wrecking him when he was damaged. Yeah. Um, but I do somewhat miss the days of guys working on their car um, 
in the garage to salvage. I know we don't point straights as much anymore, but we still do a little bit. And to see guys, maybe you wreck on lap 30, it's a 300 lap race. And, you know, maybe it took you 60 laps working a car, but that maybe, maybe it didn't mean anything. But also maybe it meant two or three spots that end up transferring you to the next right. round, to right. play out, whatever it is. Um, so I do miss that in a sense. But as far as, I mean, what, they don't put you on the clock for mechanical failure, right? Like, so you can yeah. obviously fix whatever if it's not strictly damaged. But, I I mean, maybe they fix it in the offseason with the with the car. And there's a lot of way, they have a long way to go with this car still, unfortunately. But something as simple as a tow link just, I mean... Obviously, if your towing breaks now, you're still going to take a couple laps to fix it, so you're still kind of out of the race anyway. That's if you can fix it. If you can fix it. Sometimes you still have to go to the garage to fix it. Um, so typically, if it breaks, you're kind of screwed anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least you're not out of the race, out of the race. And as much as it doesn't really matter to some people, like if I go to a race and I am a Ryan Blaney fan and his towing breaks, breaks and he's out, well then even if he's running six laps down, it's still... Because it, if it's the only race you go to that year... Mm-hmm. and you see him for six laps. Like, I know that's part of it, but you'd hate for him to not be able to come back out just because of toe link. Now, yeah. he's not going to win, probably. It sucks to not see him compete, if that's the case. But if it's just... And on top of the fan perspective, uh, something just as important, um, whether it's TV or in person, you're, the car, the sponsor, is out there. Yeah, You're denying the sponsor air, uh, TV time. Time at the um, for the fans and the track to see hospitality. hospitality. I mean, imagine if you're a hospitality. Um, I mean, like I said, we go off the Blaney one. Let's say you're Menard and you run out a big suite for that race. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you still do all the fun stuff and see the race, whether you guys out there or not. But if you go and your guy misses out on the race and he's not even damaged, it's just the toe link or something yeah. stupid that broke. That that sucks. But um, the main point is just it's obviously we got to fix these kind of things but it, as much as the car was kind of looked at as in, not indestructible but they said you can kind of bend the fenders a little bit more without it really without making your tire flat mm-hmm. won't cause them to go flat or we can do know, that it but, still can but can you but will it survive the tow the link right yeah. and now it's just like I mean there was what was the 600 this year Chase made a pass for the lead he barely I mean he hit it probably fairly hard but he brushed the wall and this tow link was already broken and it was just end of the day and like it just seemed like such a simple hit nowadays knocks these toe links mm-hmm. and i know it's growing pains but it's just and i've seen it with multiple guys this year and it's just sad to see that be the case but uh yeah i mean i think they need to get rid of that i was i don't love the clock anymore honestly but especially for something like this where this isn't a mechanical failure but it kind of is a mechanical failure in the sense that like it's not like your car is damaged you were in a big wreck it's just it's just this little part that you know, probably costs not even that much money, yeah. and it's just it breaks, it snaps, and then ruins your day. But I'd hate for them to go to the garage and be sent home when they could be out there gaining points. Uh, also, for the fans that came to see you, yeah. see them drive around in circles, even if it's 10 laps down. But also, I mean, whether you're on TV much or not after that, or the hospitality or whatever, your sponsors are still paying big money to be on the car, and maybe that's their only race. I mean, that would suck too. Like, yeah. um, you know, like for RFK, we had Kings Hawaiian on the car three times this year. Imagine if that was, imagine they only had one race, and in the race, Brad uh, had a toe link break on lap five, and then he's done. Like, yeah. Now that that's part of it. They, I'm sure Kings Hawaiian is well aware of that if they were to sign up and know that the possibility you wreck out or whatever. Right. But it would be really a shame that they don't get that exposure um, just because of a, a silly rule in a sense that 
um, denies you from going back out there. So I think mm-hmm. I think it's good for. Uh, I it'd be good to kind of get rid of that going forward. I, I mean, I, it's 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 it's. Um... It's a suspension chassis failure. It's not like you were in a crash. If you brush the wall, I mean, if you're involved in a wreck and you're heavily damaged, there's a, and I'm sure you're talking about gray area. You know, you're NASCAR and NASCAR guy determined. But if you're out there and you're just running, 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 and you just kind of get loose and you hit the wall, I mean, your car is not, you look at it, you're like, okay, you're still good, but your tow leg's broken. And that's a 25 minute fix. Right. Well, that's, you're not going to fix that in a, in a, in a 10 minute clock, right? You're not going to do that. So it's unfortunate that that's taking people out. And and with with again growing pains as you mentioned, if you're talking about these single supplier parts and the parts aren't cheap and the guys can't improve it, the guys can't strengthen on a team because that's not fair to a small team uh, where a big team can fix that has the resources to develop that fix. And um, this is what this car is designed to do: is be more parity, more equal playing field. From a financial standpoint, you can't do that. So therefore, I think they got to compensate and say, "Yep, if you have a chassis issue or something that is non." body work related crash issue you can take it behind the wall and fix it right i think it's a, yeah. i think that is that is a great com- uh, a compromise for the issues that are going on because again i'd hate to have a guy you know it's daytona let's say you come out and you just yeah. get a little loose and you hit that wall and you just need You're seven done. points okay. that's all you need is yeah. seven points to clear yourself well, you're stuck at three, yep. but you can go out there hoping that there's more more, there's wrecks, more yeah. wrecks, and you can get those extra points. And all because you had toe link broken, that's not right. So yeah. that's what was made. That was miraculous about Blaney's recovery at, 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 yeah, at I, in, in August at Daytona. Yeah. So that's excuse me, that's what we want to avoid. Um, speaking of Ryan Blaney, Ryan Blaney wins his way into the championship four race at Phoenix by winning this weekend at Martinsville Speedway. Do you upset or downshift? Um, I probably downshift. I don't think he will win, but I would not be surprised if he wins. Um, he's very good at Martinsville. Um, he's kind of, in a sense, one of those guys where you think, like, the track owes him one eventually. Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking about this, reading over the sheet. It's kind of like, uh, Mark Martin never won at Pocono, but he always ran second, or he yeah. just had really good runs. Yeah. Obviously, Mark was around a lot longer for people to think that more so than Blaney has been around, but I feel like he's had a lot of really good runs there. Races he's dominated, or at least one that I can think of. He led like 300 laps and didn't win. Um, or at least run up front um, earlier this year. I think he was the only guy that wasn't Chase or Byron that led a lap. I think so. Uh, no, it was partly because of the, the track, or the car on this certain track um, wasn't, you know, going well together. But um, I definitely would not be surprised if he wins, but they're another team. It just seems like everything, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong for them. Yeah. Like they said on the broadcast this week too, um, not that it's the first time it's ever been brought up, but I think it was either Rick Allen Jr. Somebody said like uh, they're running great, they're on top five. This is great for them. They just need to be able to finish this race, whether they win or not. Just finish similar to what they're running. And the last second, the last pit stop, coming out of the pits, he uh, just spins out on the access road, and um, it's just. It's just something always happens. Them. So I'm yeah. not saying it's going to happen again at Margeville, but you know, based on this year, that's their year gone. That's their yeah. year. Uh, but also, in that's in the perfect world if nothing happens. But also, there's just so many good guys that have gotten really good at Martinsville lately. Um, I think the Toyotas actually didn't run that well in the spring. Uh, I think Hamlin actually got lapped. I want Hamlin, to say. Ham, well, but Hamlin he, was in borderline at least getting lapped. Yeah, yeah. but he's really good there. So you, I mean, I can't imagine they're going to run that bad again. Hamlin's really good there. Truex is really good there, good there. And Truex has nothing to care for as far mm-hmm. as points. So nope. he doesn't need to do any of that. Logano has nothing to worry about as far as points. He's been pretty good there. 
Um, obviously, the two Hendrick guys that come to mind are Chase and uh, Byron. Larson's never hasn't been spectacular there. It's probably his yeah. one week track. Um, but Chase, obviously, really good there. Um, only with the one win, but led, led a ton there. Byron, only the one win now, but he really started to come on the last few years there. Yeah. I'm sure there's more that I haven't even thought off the top of my head. Brad, even. I mean... I don't. We we were pretty decent there in the spring. We qualified uh, well with both of them. I think they ran a little bit off of where they qualified, but Brad obviously um, in his time the last couple of years. And well, it was with Penske, but he he dominated a couple of races there. So and we've been you know six and the seventeen car been really coming on lately. So I think the big thing for Blaney is even if he has a perfect race, there's just so many other guys that are yeah. really good. And it's I hope it's better, but it seems really tough to pass with this car right now there and. You know, it's going to take track position, and some of these guys are going to stay out because they can, and you're going to have to pit because you're trying to make the final four, and yeah, just throws off the strategy with these stages, and it's just tough to pass there, unfortunately. Hopefully, maybe they found something in the test. The test probably hung closer together as far yeah. as speed. Hopefully. Hopefully, the tire falls off more. Hopefully, it's going to be, I think I looked at the weather, it's not going to be hot by any means but it's not going to be the 30 degrees that was when you and i were there in the, in the <laughs> yeah. snow at night that yeah. was a good time that was a dryer um, fun night it's 500 or it's 100 more laps this time than it was in the spring maybe there's an extra 100 laps get the track i mean probably not but move around a little bit more yeah um i'm looking at the weather right now it's going to be a high of 59 on sunday i mean that's and cloudy so it's better than it was when we were there but yeah. it's not going to be your sunny 75 race so I hope it's better, but that's kind of where it's at now. So if he does want to win in advance, he better qualify up front and stay there. And no mistakes. I'm going to downshift as well. I, I don't think – look, the odds are stacked against him. I think uh, the year is, is just not his year. I think this is a year Blaney's going to go winless personally. Or if he does, he's going to he's going to miss the championship four and go out there and win the season finale at Phoenix yeah. because that's kind of the way this year's gone. I think if, if this is a year where we're going to see a driver win this championship for a race – Who's not in the championship four? It's twenty twenty two. So, I, but I downshift. I just don't think he, he Martinsville is a good track for him. It owes him, but I don't think he's going to come due on Sunday. So he's just going to have to. He's going to have to hope that there's issues among other people, and he's going to have to. He's going to score max stage points, and he's going to finish as high as he can. That's going to be the 500-lap strategy, I feel like, for them, and if, if possible. I mean, because yeah. you never know what everyone else is going to do and how the rest of the race is going to play out. But that's, I think, the strategy that that Blaney is going to have to endure, and it's not going to result in a victory. He doesn't need to win. I mean, I know he probably does. He doesn't like, need to win. He on points? He's not as bad as Briscoe and Bell. No, he's like... I think he's like 23 back or something like oh, that. He's 20, yeah, he's yeah. 20. That's where it gets kind of tough. So he'd have to have really good stages and hope that Byron and Hamlin and Chase don't have great stages. Yeah, yeah. he probably has to win. But I, I think so too. Yeah, so it's gonna be tough. But it'd be a great. It'd be it'd be one of those deals. It'd be like a look. I'd hate to re, hate to re, to compare a, a Ryan Blaney win at Martinsville to Jeff Gordon's final win at having a Martinsville. But it'd be kind of something like that. We're like, look, we've been trying to win a race all year long, and we finally won one, yeah. and we're going to the championship four. Yeah. That's going to be... It'll, yeah, it'll probably have to be. But the way this year's gone, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins. Um, I hope Truex... I hope Truex and Blaney win the final two races. Probably will. Just to shake things yeah. up. Yeah, and it'll probably be... Um, yeah, Blaney will probably win at, at home or at Phoenix when it doesn't matter, and yep. Truex will win this weekend. doesn't matter, so... Yep. Yeah, who knows? Well, let's go into the next one here. Adam Stern reports that a potential Formula One race in New York City is still alive, but the logistics of such a race are great. 
Do you upshift or downshift a F1 race in the New York City metro area? Um, well, I downshift, and I'm sure if I lived in New York, I would upshift, but it just seems like, as much as I love Formula 1 and want it to keep growing, I don't want it to get too saturated in, uh, or oversaturated in America, um, and it also starts to seem like, at least if you're going to add another one, and you want to be in New York, I mean, is Watkins Glen even FIA grade? Nah, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be yeah, sort of, so, it, it, it's not even F2, I don't yeah, think. It's just, it, I mean, we, I do... I love the Austin race because it is a real track. It's permanent it's, circuit. It's permanent circuit. And it's, I don't know what other countries do as far as Formula One races, but this, like, if you come to America, like, Texas is a big part of what people think of. I mean, there's lots of Americas in America, but Texas is a big stereotype as far as people think. Like, just everything's bigger in Texas. It's the red, white, and blue. Everything, they bring out the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. There's the barbecue. That's everything is there. And, like, that's America. Yeah. Um, the cow- all the teams dress up and the cowboy hats and boots and everything. Um, and Miami is kind of like a Monaco. Vegas is going to be like a Monaco. And New York, I'm sure, will be like a Monaco. I don't know what time of year they'll do it, but obviously not when it's too cold. But it just seems that if we're going to add another one, I really don't want it to be another street race. Um, also, I'm sure the FIA doesn't care or whoever makes the final decision doesn't really care. But as far as accessibility... Um, one doesn't help that we live where we live, but it's like, at least with Austin, you can kind of make it happen you, because like, yeah, it's going to be expensive, but like there's plenty of seats. Then you go to Miami, it's like a million dollars just to even get near the track. Vegas is going to be, uh, who knows how that's going to be. I'm, I've already seen ticket. I can't remember off the top of my head, but ticket price is already crazy. Yeah. Hospitality is going to be crazy. Um, I don't want to see it in New York. Just, I don't, I mean, it gets cool to have these spectacles, but then it's just like all the things in America are like the average fan can't logically attend as far as logistics and money. And it's just because of the right, the Formula One aspect right. too. Yeah. And yeah, it just seems like, I mean, I wish they still raced at Indy because then you and I could at least go home to, you know, where you're from Indiana, I'm from two hours from the track. So, like, at least I could stay with my parents and go to the track. Now, mm-hmm. anywhere, it's Vegas, Miami, Texas, hotel, Uber, flight, rental car, food, just everything. Um, I'd hate for them to, I mean, again, like, it wouldn't be in the world to add another American race, but it just seemed like they could really, I wish if they're going to do it, go to Indy. If they're going to do it, um, I just hate, I hate another street course. That's the other thing, street courses haven't really been... The best historically. Yeah. I mean, even Monaco, as prestigious as it is, they're talking about taking it off or reconfiguring going forward. And um, I just don't want people to think, I don't want people to associate America with bad races either. Because, yeah. I mean, the Texas race is great, but now Miami wasn't the best mm-hmm. as far as racing. Uh, Vegas, hopefully, will be good. But, I mean, as far as street racing goes, you don't have anything to believe me or for me to believe that. And New York, I'm sure, would be no different. So I would prefer them to. I really don't even want more than two. I could be fine with three races here, but yeah, I, I think if you're going to do a fourth one, just there's nothing crazy about the Indianapolis market for them other than it being the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So that's why, but I just don't think New York needs one. And I don't think, I mean, if I lived there, then maybe I'd love one, but I just don't think we need it. And I don't really want them to go that route, but you know, they'll keep growing. I'm sure. So 
I downshift just because I think we don't need a fourth race. Um, If they were to, say, alternate this one with Miami, then sure, I I could buy on that, but we don't need a fourth race. Um, And the New York metro area is... It's expensive. I think they if, if the FIA really wants to add a fourth race to the United States, which would be at you know at this time a sixth race in North America, um, I, I would try to find somewhere where you can minimize the costs. And I'm not sure where that would be. Um, I mean, I feel like if you put a race in Pierre, South Dakota, people are going to come to it. Yeah. Um, that would be no problem. Um, but I don't think, I think that would be the, maybe the cheapest place to host it other than maybe somewhere in middle of the nowhere, Nebraska, um, where cows outnumber the people, but, but they're not going to do that. So in any, the reality is anywhere they go, it's going to be expensive. Even the prices at Coda this year are up. Okay. The demand that's just, I love capitalism and I love capital. Yeah. I love capitalism. Um, and, and, and supply and demand, that's what it is. But, you know, again, if I'm Coda, I need to be catering to the middle-class American, um, try to reduce all my costs um, to attract them and allow Miami and Las Vegas to be the rich pl- pl- playground because that's all New York City is going to be is a rich playground for the elites of the world, let alone just F1. And I have no problem with the elites. I'm not calling them out being realistic here you know it's like you and me are we're probably never going to go to monaco because we won't be able to afford it okay it's the same reason why miami and vegas are not going to be affordable to the average american unless you spend years saving if the race is even still there still so i i just i just downshift the idea i think it's cool leave new york city to formula e leave new york city to formula e and allow them to do that um f1 stay away well i also don't think it's sustainable either i mean i i think and it could be part of NASCAR too. It's declined there over the years. Like, you can attract the elite fan, the top tier, top spending fan and sponsor for so long. I hope it doesn't wear off, but eventually it starts to wear off. Yeah. Like the novelty of it, the newness of it, the whatever. Mm-hmm. Or just something shiny and new comes along and you spend your money elsewhere. I think people that are truly Formula One and just motorsports fans in general. They will support that race no matter where it is. Like you've seen it in Texas, and of course yeah. it's grown for obvious reasons the last couple of years. But like, how long will it? Like, you just want to you want to keep growing the average, like the the true diehard uh, hardcore fan anyway. Right. And they'll still be fans if they can't go, but it definitely will be something else for them to be able to go. Um, or they're not really a fan yet, but they go, they become hooked. Um, but I think if you have a place like New York on top of Vegas and Miami. You're getting the people that are the VIPs, which is nothing wrong with it. But then, like, the average person can't go. And I know part of life's not fair, whatever. I support capitalism, like you mm-hmm. said. But uh, it's also, like, that's what your true growth is going to come from, is the people that truly care about it and support it, whether it's merchandise, tickets, whatever. If they can't go to... Uh, their, I mean, yeah, and I saw the merchandise at... Uh, Coda, someone posted a TikTok of the merchandise trailers, the prices of some of these things that yeah. you can get cheaper online plus shipping from Europe or wherever they're manufactured and mm-hmm. sold from. It's cheaper to do that than to buy at the merchandise hauler in Texas. Yeah. So it sounds just, familiar. It sounds like NASCAR almost, yeah. too. I mean, it was like $200 for a sweatshirt for yeah, and I could Aston buy- Martin. And I was just like, I mean. <laughs> yeah. The Coda, yeah. the Coda event shirt was $83 online. The hat was 80 I, I was mean, like, why would you pay? a hat. Uh, I mean, it, it, NASCAR it, it, has 36 at the hauler, and that's 
not, I mean, it's still expensive, yeah. but that's not horrible. Yeah. It, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, next one here. Stuart Friesen accused Ben Rhodes teammates, uh, Thorsport teammates, Matt Crafton and Christian Eckes for lying uh, over and giving Rhodes the point advantage. Do you have to for downshift? Uh, well, I downshift if it's honestly true. And I will be honest. I Actually, I missed the truck race. I didn't even get a chance to go back and see this incident. I saw the interview. Did you even see the incident? I, 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 I don't think it was, was caught necessarily yeah. specifically on, yeah. on television. On camera, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I downshift if it's true, but this is the problem with NASCAR, uh, like, that had a couple weeks ago with Cole Custer. They're opening up a whole can of worms, and if it's true, and there's video footage or radio transmission evidence, it's just one of those things where it, they open up these can of worms, and then it's like, if you're going to penalize Custer, then if this is true, and if it's on camera... It's like, how much evidence do you need? Because then you could really start going back in time. You can't change the past, obviously, but you can really start pinpointing every single decision made on the racetrack. Oh, that's an advantage. Oh, that's an advantage. Oh, you know, something as simple as they turn out they are drafting together, which is already crazy enough as it is with teammates and manufacturers. Uh, I think it happened a couple of years ago um, for the championship race. Like someone picked a different pit stall, even though they got the pole. Didn't that happen? Wasn't that? I think there was some gamesmanship play with got, some pole. I think it was Hamlin got the pole at Homestead the last year they had the championship. I want to say it was that. And Hamlin didn't choose the pit stall because the guy that qualified second was his teammate who was also was in the championship. Or no, Hamlin was in the championship. I can't remember what it was. But something similar to that. And it's just kind of like, could you go as far as that? Like, hey, I mean, yes, you're helping your team out, but that's technically not 100. I mean, everybody wants the first pit stall if you get the pole. And if you're not getting the, you know, it's... Uh, so it's just a whole can of worms are opening. You can look back at the Chase Elliott and Harvick thing at Bristol. You can look back at the, I think it was Ross Chassain, Kurt Busch with Atlanta with Kyle Busch in the middle of them. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's you can look at every single thing, and it's just, I'm not saying they should let what Custer did slide 100%, but also it, it just... You know, and then if anything, it's like that benefit of Briscoe. Why wasn't he penalized for it? Now, he might not have told him to help him, so that's tough too. Yeah. But that's just where then you start. If you really want to get down to these and be consistent, then you can really start pinpointing a lot of things. And that's just a, a pathway I don't think they want to go down. And if if that's what happened in the truck race, then, you know, that sucks. I guess that's part of having a multi-car or truck team that's a benefit. But, um yeah, if that's what happened, then you're going to see it happening a lot more because that's just, that's the way this, I mean, NASCAR draws up this way. I mean, these points matter more now, these cutoff races and everything, that it's it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. If it's going to yeah. happen, you better you better keep an eye on everybody because they're all going to do it. And yeah. that's that's just where it's, they open up. The same with the suspension thing with Bubba. Like, you start spending him for that. Okay, well then, now going forward, I mean, it's just, it, it's why it's tough to be consistent that's why everything should be taken. You shouldn't look at precedents necessarily because it's just that it changes your opinion of how you're going to handle things. You should look at every incident individually. But um, if they're talking about teammate rolling over, I think they have a lot of other things they could review. Yeah. And probably will again this weekend um, at Martinsville. So, um, yeah, that's on them if they want to police it however they want. But, it, that yeah, so. I mean, for me, I'm going to downshift for two reasons. One, I downshift that Stuart Friesen's kind of calling it out. Look, to me, it's the same thing with like Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex. Winning solves your problems and also mm -hmm. maximize your points. You know, that that, yeah. that helps you out. Um, two, 
I will downshift unless there's, to me, it's the same thing with Custer. I had no problem with what Custer did until there was audio that kind of yeah. said, okay, this is fishy. Got to penalize him. I will have nothing, no problem with what happened here, in a sense, until I hear audio. Now, it, this is fishier because there is just laying back. Okay, did he go quarter throttle through the corner and allowed him to pass or, you know, something like that? Was he told, hey, uh, or was who crafted and Eckes said, you know, 99, four car lengths back? And that was sort of like, all right, let's lay back yeah. here, let him go. Kind of deal, you know. What 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 was the thought process? How, what exactly happened? How did they did did he outright pass him, or did he get assistance? It's fishy. That, but with the yeah. NASCAR with with the multi car teams, you're going to have this. But I, I go back to my original point: maximize your points and win, and you don't have to worry about it. Yep. And the thing is, hey, if Ty Majeski doesn't win the race, that's right. Stuart Friesen's moving on. Yeah. But Ty Majeski won the race, so it knocked him out and put yeah. him on that put him on that bubble. Um, so I, 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 I feel for Stuart Friesen because I think, I think he certainly was deserving of, of being in the championship for, mm-hmm. uh, not saying that, that Rhodes isn't or any of the guys who are there aren't, but it, I, I, I guess it, but that's the raw moment, right? That's the raw right. moment that what's great about NASCAR and racing is that we get to stick a mic in front of a guy's face right after he or she climbs out of a car. Yeah. And in whereas if it's football, baseball, or basketball, we typically don't talk to someone who's frustrated and lost until minutes after the right. after it's happened and they've had time to cool off. Um I, I, but I downshift um because I don't I don't I haven't heard anything there being any fishy business. And if there's fishy business, you can't penalize roads. You gotta yeah. pen it doesn't matter. You're gonna penalize craft and neckus, you're not gonna penalize roads. Right. So that's 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 the other part. You are barking up the wrong tree. Unless the road is begging for them to lay over. And at that point I'm like, Okay, well, roads yeah. what do what do you do at that point, right? Exactly. That's that's definitely a tough one. So because it's a tough one, we're gonna move on to the next question. Lance Stroll uh, Lance Stroll's move on Fernando Alonso warrants a three-place grid penalty for causing a high-speed collision. Do you upshift or downshift? Uh, I probably upshift. I don't really know as much as I follow Formula One. I don't. I can't keep up with how they handle their penalties and infractions, and I know everything's a little different in Formula One because if they did this kind of thing in NASCAR, there would be penalties all over the place. But it did seem like he moved last second. Um, whether it was obviously he did he moved on purpose, but whether he knew. Fernando was going to stay that close behind him and not go even further around him or stay in his line and try to pass him on the outside or whatever going to the turn. I don't know, but it definitely wasn't great. It, mm-hmm. And he turned in, or he turned in, whether he was trying to defend or move out of the way, whatever the case was, um, his last second decision is what um, is what sent Fernando flying into yeah. the air. So, um, yeah, not the best. And then it ended up, I think that damage is what screwed Fernando later, mm-hmm. right, with the damage, and they got the the grid or the uh, the time penalty. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that you know, and then somehow he came back and finished seventh. I know they gave him the penalty, but good for him yeah. for hitting the ground hard and then hitting the wall. Um. But yeah, it. So again, I'm not great with Formula One how they handle or with FIA how they handle their uh, penalties, whether it's qualifying practice or the race stuff, but. It definitely probably deserves some sort of penalty. I don't know what the difference between three plays, five plays, ten plays. I mean, it's, there's all these infractions and stuff in Formula One, but uh, it definitely probably warrants something. So maybe I feel like three. It wasn't like egregious where it was seemed like super bad intentions or anything, 
but it, as far as being safe and also, you know, you cut the guy off, whether it was on purpose or not, you still did it. So it's probably warranted, I would say, for the three-place grid penalty. Uh, I guess next race, right? For just at, yeah. um, at Mexico. So, yeah, it's probably fair, I, have, I would assume. I, I kind of downshift because I think three place is kind of kind of light. Um, that was a very late move in my book. I mean, Fernando was right there, um, and you're not you don't. There's not a lot of room to give at, on the backstretch yeah. of Dakota. No. Um, and I think I mean, look, if they were a car length over to the left when all this went down, Fernando's going up in that catch fence and it's going to be an ugly, yeah. it's going to be ugly. Um, it, you know, I'm not, we just talked about, you know, penalizing in, in NASCAR. I think this one, you kind of got to send a message and say, look, this, this we- weaving has become an issue. And I do, and at times I've criticized the FIA for being too litigious, I guess with, for lack of a better word, on top of my head, you know, they just like to penalize for worse stupid stuff. But this one was, I think, one they actually got right but wrong at the same time. Where I would have given him a five because it is a it is a dangerous move at a high speed straight. You aren't weaving in a braking zone, and you're going slow or a slow corner. You're weaving down a backstretch where you are topping speed, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and, and you know, it just kind of mounts up to Lance Stroll's horrible 2022. Uh, yeah, so it, it it's 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 been rough, but this one right here, you've got to you've got to teach everyone in the field a lesson, and sometimes that lesson does come through somebody, yeah. right? That's just life, um, unfortunately. And the FI needs to shake Lance Stroll, bad boy, five places. I think ten would have been too much, but five I think would have been better than three. All right, last question here, and it's kind of the kind of a big one. Lewis Hamilton has won at least one race in each of his F1 seasons. Do you up for downshift that he wins one of the final three races in 2022, which are Mexico City, Brazil, and Abu Dhabi? I probably downshift. I think they are definitely better than they were at the beginning of the season. I know he finished second again this week. Um, and he very well could have won, but it took a mistake by Red Bull for that to happen. Yeah. And Yes, it's possible. That's how we saw. Like I said earlier, those those random winners that don't typically win, like Ricardo and Ocon last year, Gasly year before. But that is a lot to ask right now for Red Bull to one mess up in general, but two especially with Max because he, I mean, even with the mess up, I mean, he drove right back up. And obviously, he's a great driver, but the car is just so much faster than everybody else right now. I feel like if it's not Max this weekend, it's going to be Charles and. Um, or Carlos and Sergio too, but those have been the class of the field all year. Um, if for some reason Max isn't fast enough, it seems like it's Charles that's right there. So uh, it is. It would be surprising. I feel like if Lewis won, I mean, not surprising in the sense of how good he is, but um, I feel like, and he likes. I mean, Brazil. He's really good there. I mean, I know he won last year, um, but. It just seems like as good as Mercedes has gotten, they still do not have the raw speed of Red Bull and Ferrari. Um, Max is chasing after the record, right, for most wins in the season. Yeah, he's he, tied. It he's week, tied, so. so he wins. I mean, yeah. Hey. I mean, obviously they want to win every week anyway. Yeah. But this is an extra incentive for him to to get that. Uh, he's got three chances to do it. I'm sure. I'd be very shocked if he doesn't get the record. But, or just shatter it and get all 16, mm-hmm. uh, or all three to get to 16. But 
Uh, he won, I think Max won Mexico last year. Um, and then Lewis won Brazil. And then Max obviously won Abu Dhabi, but probably shouldn't have. Uh, but I just, I don't see Mercedes or Lewis winning unless there's an issue by not only Red Bull, but Ferrari too. Now Ferrari has Ferrari. proven to make their own issues. But I mean, again, like Lewis was in second at Coda, but that was because he almost won because Max's issue in the pit, but also Ferrari had Charles started at the back and Carlos got wrecked on lap one. Lap one. Yeah, lap turn it. one. Yeah, turn so, one. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lewis is obviously good enough to do this. And I think I saw like a behind the scenes, like him talking to one of the engineers about how happy they were with that second place. And that's great. But I just think to get to first place, you know, he's been close a couple of times. Um, it's just, it, it's kind of like the years in the past when Max was the guy that was always right there. He would still win every now and then. Red Bull would find enough to win when Lewis was dominating. But it was always like every time Max just seemed super close to winning, Lewis would just chase him back down because mm-hmm. it's the raw yep. speed of the car. And I unless unless Max's other racer gets like a grid penalty where he's starting last or changes the engine or whatever it is, um, I feel like it's going to take a mistake by not only Red Bull for both their drivers, mm-hmm. even though I think Lewis has kind of been outperforming Sergio in a sense a little bit. Um, you know, Sergio just won a race, but I think also Ferrari. Which Ferrari, again, we know they make their own issues, but I think you're asking a lot for Lewis to win this year with given the current speed of the Mercedes compared to the top two. So I don't think he's going to win this year. But knowing the way things world in the world go, I wouldn't be surprised if he did either. But I, I do think I would be surprised if, if he does win this year. I got to agree. Uh, you know, I, and, I, I downshift, and, and I hate to do that. Because I would hate to see a streak like this. He's he's won a race every year since two thousand seven. So yeah, it's 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 a long time, and um, (laughs) you'd hate to see something like that come to an end. Uh, But I think that's I kind of also upshift because it's only going to light a fire for him to race longer Mm because he wants to prove that he can still do it. Yeah. Um, So I think it's kind of a good. I think it's good for Formula One that he doesn't win. And as, as crazy as that sounds, but I, I look at again Mercedes. I, I felt I felt more confident in July that they were going to win, but in yeah. this years progressed, it's just like okay, well Red Bull is just at a different level right now, and Ferrari is still second best, but they shoot themselves in their foot where they have terrible. Luck. Carlos Sainz has terrible luck. Yeah, they shoot does. Charles Leclerc in the foot every race. Yeah. So that's the problem. I, I downshift. I, I hate to I hate to see it. Um, you know, but that's, that's, it's humbling. You go from a, 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 an era where you were so dominant in that last year, you just missed out on it to Max Verstappen and, and, you know, obviously controversial way, but it was a great battle year long. And then this year you've just been third best. Yeah. And at times at the beginning of the year, you were like sixth best. Well, I was gonna say, so they come I mean, a long way, They have, but they're not, I don't think they're going to, they're going to need the four. Total Big cars four, of yeah. Ferrari and Red Bull to crash. And then you're like, okay, now it's our race. And then, even then, it's it's George. He's right there with and, him. And, so you need, I need George. And I've always said this year that George is going to win before Lewis. Yeah. So 
We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Well, that was the upshift downshift. Hopefully you had fun, Brian. I had a blast. Okay, good. Uh, let's roll into the weekend wrap-up here. Formula One, we've mentioned, you mentioned, Max Verstappen won at the uh, Coda for the United States Grand Prix. I thought it was a solid race. I was flipping back and forth uh, between the NASCAR and in Homestead, at Homestead and then the Formula One at Coda. Um, also, was maybe I was back at home in Indiana this past weekend, so my grandpa stopped over. We were also flipping back between the Colts, so that was fun, uh, trying to bounce back and forth. But it, it seemed like a solid, solid USGP race, given yeah. uh, given the players. And, home, and, and as we'll mention here in a second, I thought Homestead could have been better. Um, but uh, the Camping World Truck Series at Homestead, this was their penultimate race. This was their championship for deciding race because they're stupidly not racing at Martinsville this coming weekend. Absolutely ridiculous that they're not. Ty Majeski, as I mentioned, won the race. Um, that means he and Chandler Smith, Zane Smith, and Ben Rhodes are moving on to the championship four. No Chevrolets are represented, and only a Soul Ford and Zane Smith are in the championship four race at Phoenix in two weeks' time. Uh, who do you think is going to win that? Who do you think is going to be be the champion? Ah, uh, I mean, well, I guess there's some bias towards Zane Smith being our reserve driver this year for Busher. Um, I think it's a yeah, solid pick. I, I, I picked he, Zane Smith. He was the best driver early in the year. I feel like, I mean, I feel like I haven't watched as many truck races lately either, but I feel like he hasn't, is not as dominant as he was at the beginning of the year, but I also don't think any of the three have been that. I mean, Tommy Jesse just got his first win a month ago, and he got a second win the other day. Um... Ben Rhodes, defending champion, Chandler Smith, again, I mean, he's in the Kyle Busch truck, but you haven't seen the dominance that you would see out of, like, when it was Christopher Bell or mm-hmm. Eric Jones in those, in those cars or those trucks, and um, or Byron that year. It's just, um, it's very equal, it seems, but I feel like it's, and honestly, I think Zane, his wins were on the mile and a half to go this year, so he seems like he has probably the best, I think his way his wins were. I feel like he won Kansas. He won Coda. He did win Coda. Uh, he won Daytona. He won. He I think he. I think he won Vegas too at the beginning but of the year too. He's had the speed at the mile and a half. Yeah. Of course, we're not going to. I keep forgetting we're not going to Homestead. Yeah, so, going home. Going to Phoenix. Um, and he. Was but he's been good at Phoenix. He's been in the championship for all forty-three years of his full-time truck. Was he last year too? I remember yeah. he was twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. I mean, he he seemed like he's probably been the best overall driver this year. Um, and like I was telling you, it's sometimes hard to keep up because they race once a month now. It seems so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would say somewhat biased, but also yeah, it'd be cool to see Zane Smith win um, for one because I think he, you know, I think it'd be awesome if he could somehow stay within the RFK pipeline, um, uh, at least with Ford and everything. And he seemed like a good guy. Uh, he had a great run for us. So I think, uh, and honestly, even if I was unbiased, I mean, I feel like he's probably probably the favorite. I would say mm-hmm. um, as far as how he's run this year. Um, Majeski's been hot lately, and it's a cool story how far he's come and all the controversy. Like he does, always find a way to lose too, and now he's kind of winning. And Ben Rhodes is champion, you know, back to back. Uh, Chandler Smith again, he's you know, going to be fast in the Kyle Busch truck, but and also probably the last time Kyle Busch is a Toyota truck race, mm-hmm. so it could be interesting for them. And um, yeah, I'll say Zane wins the ch- truck championship. I think Zane will too. I think he's he's got the championship for experience, and he's he's finished second. I actually think both times. So, yeah. um, and, and he's been the most consistent throughout the year. Uh, Twenty two races, he's got ten top. He's got eighteen top tens. I mean, he's he's been ridiculously yeah, good. Um, but I think he would be. I think he's going to win. I will say, I th- I think Ben Rhodes or Chandler Smith doesn't really move the needle anywhere um, as far as a champion is concerned. I think Ty Majeski would be a great sentimental pick Mm -hmm. for the championship, but I still think Zane Smith is going to win 
win uh, the championship, whether that come via a win or just top finisher. Uh, so that that that's who I think is going to win that. Um, the Xfinity Series at home at Homestead won by Noah Gragson. I mean, this kid is is on a tear. I'm flipping to the to the championship standings here in the Xfinity Series because I have been basically quote out of the office. He's got eight wins this year. Yeah. Eight wins. I mean, I didn't. I, he's got like five or six in the last. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, two months. <laughs> yeah, this has been a Noah Gragson fall. Yeah. Uh, he swept September. He won all four races in September. So yeah. he's been fantastic. Um, I think uh, I, I, he's gonna he's gonna be tough to beat. Yeah. I think he really is. Uh, and then Kyle Larson won at, at Homestead after being wrecked a week ago at Las Vegas. Um, that five cars locked into the drivers or the owners championship though in uh, 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 Phoenix. So uh, you know this is it's kind of wild um, to see to, to see that being a a potential where he could win the race at Homestead and win the owners champ or owners championship and not win the drivers it's championship. Pays more money, does it not? I have no idea. I think someone honest. always said that. I have no idea either. But I think I always heard the owners championship. Of course, the prestige is the drivers. Yeah. Um, but the owners championship is is the you know yeah. you don't have to worry about it in the past. Now you now we've, we're seeing that first, reality. I think I, First time since 1963 that you have a split champion. I mean, we will have a split champion. Yes. No, there's no ifs. So there is going to be a split champion. So um, it could potentially be the same uh, team if, if the five. Uh, or I shouldn't say there will be a split champion. There's a potential for Very it. Very potential. Yeah, obviously, Larson himself will win or come in first at the fourth. I mean, you could, okay, you could have you could have Truex win the race. You get a Larson finish second, win the owner's championship. And, and then you could have Blaney finish yeah. third if he wins at Homestead and win the championship. I mean, you could yeah. have you could have three celebrations on the front stretch. When was the last time that's we happened might. in the yeah, NASCAR Cup Series ever? Yeah, no. So that would be interesting. Um, yeah, it's weird since they did that thing where they revoked they t- the forty five took away their Kurt Busch eligibility and it just really messed things up because then Bubba made it to the second round, third round too. Uh, isn't he in the round? Isn't he still? No, he got knocked out. Oh, he did. Uh, oh, okay. Dakota, or uh, whatever. Rubble. Rubble. Okay. Um, so yeah, and, and uh, Larson was the one that took his place. So oh, that's right. Um, yeah, it just it's been weird, but um, yeah, it, it's something like that is sure to happen the way this year's gone. So uh, yeah, I think it's 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 been crazy. And again, I think the racing at Homestead for the for the trucks in fifty four, what I saw was solid as usual. But the cup is great be, as always. Yeah, the, the 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 cup with everything else. Yeah, it's just this year is a, it's just a growing pains year. Yeah. Let's let's go. Let's move on to next gen point two and and see if we can fix things up uh, and 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 hopefully get this car where it needs to be on the safety and performance in a, in, yeah. a, in a competition side as well. Yeah, I mean literally the best races last year. It's and I thought Homestead might be an exception, but the best races typically of the old car were now. Arguably the worst races. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Homestead it was not a bad race by any means, but definitely wasn't the Homestead that you've seen with the past car. Obviously, no, I still didn't love Homestead with the high downforce Gen Six, but it was still really good. Uh, and of course, you're not have a great race every time you go there, but um, it's hard to have a perfect race every single time. But I was hoping to see. I thought Homestead would be really good. Mm-hmm. I still think it was good, not great. Um, and that's kind of sad, unfortunately, because that's kind of what leads us to Martinsville, where it's kind of good to be a miracle at this point mm-hmm. in Martinsville, which is sad because Martinsville is yeah. one of the best. I told you, I try to go to both every year. I don't think I want to go this week after what we saw in the spring. Um, so I hope I'm wrong, and maybe I miss out a great race, but I'll still see it on TV. Yeah. 
Um, but it just seems like the road courses, short tracks, super speedways, and now even Homestead have been affected by this new car at, and they sacrificed those great tracks to get the mile and a half, two mile tracks, which have been better, but at what cost? And it seems like it was a pretty big cost. So hopefully we can get a middle ground and yeah. make those races good again, because it's kind of been a lackluster playoffs as far as entertaining races. Now there's been storylines. Like there's been storylines. Bubba and Larson, you had um, the, the, first, for, the first the first round was won by non-playoff guys. Non the first four guys. races were non won yeah. by non-playoff guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, now you got a fifth. RFK's went with Busher, Bubba's went at Kansas, uh, Eric Jones with the 43 car. So obviously the storylines have been great. Races have not been the best. I mean, I didn't watch Talladega. I was driving back, listening on the radio. The radio made it sound pretty exciting, but then I heard and you told me that the racing wasn't that great on TV. Yeah. And okay, I went to the Roval. That was disappointing. Again, don't think Roval's a problem, but that's what this car brings now with these things. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's been kind of a lackluster as far as races, but storylines are there, which I guess is what is what they want. So yeah, um, some of them are real storylines. Some of them are kind of manufactured by certain things, but um, yeah, hopefully they can get a middle ground going forward. Yeah, who's your outstanding performance for the uh, for the weekend? Um, I feel like without being a basic pick of picking a winner, I think you have to say AJ Allmendinger, colleague. Um, I feel like. And I said this a while ago, and I, it's not really a strong take anymore, but I feel like they're going to be legit contenders next year. Um, I mean, with six road courses, um, he's bound to win one of them. Now, it, you say that, and he might not because he didn't win one this year, and Chase Elliott and Martin Truex did not win a road course either. And now they've been in a position that Toyota's were a little off this year, uh, road courses, but Bell ended up winning the Roval. Chase mm -hmm. had a couple he probably should have won. Um, but he still didn't, and things like that happen at the end of these races. Almendinger, I think, raced all of them, and he didn't win. Oh, yeah. It's still different being a part-time guy and with Colleague as opposed to being a full-time guy with a Hendrick Gibbs car, but mm -hmm. um, he's bound to win one, or at least if he doesn't win, he'll get good points at uh, at these road courses. And he's, honestly, I looked at his like last, I think he's on a, he's on a top 10 streak of six races right now. Not consecutive races, but the six consecutive he's entered, he has finished top 10. Um, he's been legit and really good at these races, not just fluke runs at the end where he stays out on a caution or something, gets a top five. Mm -hmm. Like he's running up front and contending and competing and he's made Justin Haley better. Yeah. Um, and I think you've seen a 16 grow too, even when Gregson was in there when Hemrick was in there, it's gotten better. Um, and I think Almendinger will be, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go out and be in the championship four, but I mean, if he runs like this, I mean, it's going to be hard to, I mean, he'll definitely make the playoffs. I think at this point. Um, looking ahead to next year if he runs like this and then you, know, you just go from there but I think him and colleague they're definitely finding something Haley's been running a lot better lately Allmendinger has had a couple top fives and tens the last couple races um, even before his streak mm -hmm. and uh, colleague might be on to something yeah I agree um, and, and they ran good in the Xfinity series too uh, yeah. he totally bounced back and he, he came in I forgot 16 points back and now he's 5 points ahead with one race to go so uh, being solid pick there I'm going with Chandler Smith in the Xfinity series um, because he proved yet again he finally had a good run with Sam Hunt Racing but he proved that Sam Hunt Racing you put a good driver in that car they're going to finish well they are a top yeah. they have top 15 speed um in, in, in the Xfinity Series, which is premier level, right? You got the big, to me, I've called them the Big 12 this year. You got the Big 12, the four 
junior motorsports cars, you got the uh, full-time drivers, you got the two Gibbs guys, you got the two RCR guys, um, you have Stuart, uh, Stuart Haas, Riley Herbst, you, you have the co- and you have the three colleague guys. Those are the big 12 in the, in the Xfinity series. Sam Hunt Racing isn't far off from that. And again, seventh place finish. You put it, he, he's now entered the John Hunter Nemechek Santino Ferrucci chat room mm-hmm. of Sam Hunt Racing's great drivers. I don't know what their plans are for next year. I feel like them and Big Big Machine Racing are in the same boat. They could say, well, we're just going to go with, we're just going to be a four hire team and we're going to hire the, the best guys possible and we're going to win races. We don't, we're going to go for the owner's championship. We're not going to go for that. The, uh, the driver's championship, that's fine. But if you put a guy with that much talent in your car, you're going to do well. And you're going to win races and at least compete for them regularly. So good job, Chandler Smith, on that one. Um, so let's move on. Let's, the last kind of full segment here of the uh, of the week. Uh, my time to just talk, talk, talk. But it is a little bit of a shorter one-rollers featured week in racing. Uh, we're doing the October 18th through 24th uh, span uh, this week, so the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series first raced on the Two Mile Auto Club Speedway Oval on October 18, 1997. The race, the No Fear Challenge, was a 100 lap race um, and was raced 24 of 26 of the 1997 season. Mike Bliss dominated the day, winning the pole, and he led 93 of the 100 laps, driving the number two Team ASC Ford for Ultra Motorsports. Mike Wallace, Kenny Irwin Jr., Ernie Irvin, and Randy Tolsma completed the top five. Eventual 97 champion Jack Sprague finished sixth. Uh, the only Moroccan Grand Prix to be officially a part of the Formula One World Championship took place on October 19th, 1958. The course was named the, I'm going to butcher this, because <laughs> I, I, A-N-D-I-B, A-N-D-A-I-N space D I. A D. I mean that 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 that's, that's it. it. Yep. It was a 7.618 kilometer street course consisting of 53 laps. Sterling Moss scored the win, driving for Vanderveel, and he led all 53 laps. Mike Hawthorne and Phil Hill completed the podium. Jamie McMurray scored his final career NASCAR Cup Series win on October 20th, 2013 at Talladega Super Speedway, the Camping World RV Sales 500. Uh, did not see overtime, but it did end under caution uh, with Dale Hart Jr. finishing second. Sounds like a familiar tune for a, for a driver uh, that we that we like uh, back in 04. Jr. finishing second. Oh, yeah. 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 That was also the race Austin Dillon flipped into the, not the one that Daytona, the big one with the catch fence, but down the backstretch. Didn't he, when he was filling in for Tony Stewart that year? I uh, think that might he flipped up like upwards. Yeah, or he don't know if he flipped, but his car was vertical. I think that was. Yeah, I think that was it. It was a very weird finish. Yeah, it was very weird. That might have been the, was that the ending caution. I didn't even I look think this it up. Was. I think okay, Murray was in like an Auburn car for some reason. Yes, weird yes, memories. Auburn. Yeah. Yes. Um. So this this like I said this race ended in a caution. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yeah, that's our guy. Rosh Fenway, formerly Rosh Fenway, finished third. Paul Menard. He likes oh, ice right. racing, so maybe he'll go race that wheel in Euro Series race. He finished fourth, and Kyle Busch was fifth. Uh, one driver failed to qualify for this race, and that was Sam Hornish Jr. attempting the race in the number 12 SKF Ford That's for Team good. Pansky. So that, that did not go well for the captain that day. Uh, Jack Sprague parked his number 60 Conway Freight Toyota in Victory Lane on October 21st, 2006. It was the Kroger 200 at Martinsville Speedway, and get this, so we are we are recording this on October 25th, 
This race took place on October 21st. Now, back in the day, the season, remember, went a little bit longer. We went to like the weekend before Thanksgiving. This race was race number 21 of 25 that season. So not only did they have two more races, they still had multiple races okay. left. Uh, they, uh, I wish it was still like that. There were 12 cautions for 67 laps. David Starr, Eric Darnell, man, there's a name you haven't heard in a while. Mark Martin driving again for Roush uh, Racing, as it was known then, in the sixth truck. And Johnny Benson with the remaining top five finishers. Only two drivers led laps all day long. Sprague led 95, and Ted Musgrave led 105. The second of two Formula One World Championship races at Tanaka International Circuit took place on October 22nd, 1995. It was the Pacific Grand Prix uh, and was won by Michael Schumacher driving the Benetton Renault, leading 34 of 83 laps. Second place finisher David Coulthard led 49 in a Williams, and Damon Hill, also in a Williams, finished third. The Japanese Grand Prix was one week later, and it was won by Michael Schumacher. Uh, to date, the most recent NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Gateway took place... On October 23, 2010, Brad Keselowski our man. won this race, driving the number 22 discount tire Dodge and led 83 of 200 laps. Teammate Justin Allgaier in the number 12 Verizon Dodge finished third and led 88 laps. Mike Bliss finished second, driving for Kevin Harvick. There's a, there's a yeah, stat there's you a, probably forgot. Yeah. Um, he led 10 laps. Fourth place uh, finisher was the late Jason Leffler, and Carl Edwards finished fifth. Jeremy Clements, yes, that very Jeremy Clements, back in 2010, was driving the number 04 for JD Motorsports and finished 10th, and that was his first career Xfinity Series top 10. And another most recent race in the NASCAR Xfinity Series was also won by Brad Keselowski. Uh, I did not plan this this way. I did not it's plan not for worked, you to kiss butt. But this time it was at Memphis. Gosh, Memphis needs to be back on a NASCAR yeah. schedule. Uh, come on, let's make it happen. On October 24th, uh, Kozlowski captured, uh, again, the most recent race at Memphis. And he was driving the number 88 Delphi Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports. Kyle Busch, Jason Leffler, Mike Bliss, and Brendan Gong completed the top five. Landon Castle made his only, only one start in uh, 2009 and that was at memphis and he was driving the number zero one excuse me the number zero i can't speak <laughs> the number one chevrolet the number one oh, yes. chevrolet for james finch he finished 10th so uh a couple top 10 notables there uh anything any memories from those races yeah that no, not really i have a distinct memories that i tell my one friend this that just that was like when we were, well, at least I know you're a couple years older, not like same time frame. Like I was in middle school, just these random short tracks in the then nationwide series, like Memphis and Gateway and Milwaukee and just Nashville. I don't know the short track, but Nashville, just like these. They had their own set they of tracks. And yeah. it was fun. And and they had like 25 guys that could win a nationwide race on any given Saturday. Yes. And uh, part of it was cup guys were racing. But also, it's just how it was. There were so many teams. Now, like you said, there's the Big 12, and even the Big 12, it's probably like five that can win on any given week. So, yeah. maybe a little bit more, given the thing. But, yeah, it's kind of sad to see this uh, as, a, as a memory now. It's mm -hmm. a good memory, but it's sad. It's only a memory. So, yeah, um, yeah those, were the, those were the fun days in the Nationwide Series. So, like you said, hopefully they get back to Memphis or something soon. Yeah. I would love to see Memphis and Milwaukee end up on uh, both. Yeah. Both, uh, well, Milwaukee's back on truck next year, but get back on both the truck and Xfinity and Gateway back on the Xfinity calendar. Yeah. 
for sure. All right, so what's in the windshield here? Formula One travels to Mexico City for the Mexico City Grand Prix at Autodrama Hermanos Rodriguez this Sunday. Then they take one week off before ending the season with stops at Brazil on November 13th and Abu Dhabi on November 20th, which will complete the season. Supercars is back in action this weekend at Surface Paradise on Saturday and Sunday. Their season finale will then be on December 3rd and 4th, so taking over a month off at the Adelaide Street Course. Good always see Adelaide with racing there. The NASCAR Truck Series, as we've mentioned, they've got one race left, and it's a championship four race at Phoenix two weeks from now. Additionally, the Arkham Menard Series West concludes its championship at Phoenix. And then uh, in between now and then, though, the NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series will decide their championship for this weekend at Martinsville before going to Phoenix two weeks from now. So, well, thank you, everybody. Uh, kind of a unique show today. Uh, thank you, Brian, for, for joining us. It was great having you here. Uh, can I call on you again if something ever arises? I'll be across the hall. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Well, well, thank you again. Thanks for you all for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. We we had a action, a really packed uh, upshift, downshift segment there. So hopefully you enjoyed what we had to say. Uh, let us know your featured paint scheme as well from the 03 season. I mean, just right in the middle of the golden age of paint schemes in NASCAR. Um, and, and we'll let us know your thoughts about the upshift downshift as well, whether you think we're crazy or not. Uh, I'm wondering if Rob is going to say, Josh, you're stupid. Why did you downshift or upshift said question? It might happen. I'm not going to, I'm not going to promise it, but, <laughs> but he could, but he could. Um, so let us know there. And remember you can follow the show at Robin Roller, just as it sounds, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R. Rob is at R-Peters33, R-P-E-E-T-R-S-33, and I'm at Roller underscore zero one. All right, so for Rob Peters, who's away from from the uh, show this week, for Brian Saunders, who's here in the, uh, quote, studio. That's right, yeah. I'm Josh Roller, and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody. I didn't know if you said anything, so.